I'm Chad Rutherman. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And welcome to No Clip Pocket, Forged by the Sea. Today, we're going to be talking about... <laughs> we're going to be talking about finger bones, the moon sliver, the music machine, and iron lung. All games that were developed by David Shemansky uh, and published in 2014 for finger bones... 2014 for the Moon Sliver, 2015 for the Music Machine, and 2022 for Iron Lung. So, welcome to Halloween, first off. Take out the lizard, first of all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, this Halloween, I basically run the fucking show, the whole carnival. That's me. I'm the one doing it. Uh, and this has been something that's been on my list of things I wanted to cover for, like, a long time, but never really sat down to, one, pick what games I wanted to do, and also, like, find a suitable place for it. Because, like, at first I had considered doing these games as individual episodes, but as you played, I think, all of them in a single day, <laughs> uh, it doesn't really... <laughs> It doesn't lend itself to that level of, like, deep introspection on each of them, you know? Mm. Uh, but first, you give us a like or a rating. It would be greatly appreciated. Uh, <laughs> forgot to say that. But, uh, yeah, I don't ever remember you bringing these up until this year, so. Yeah. Um, I know we played, what is it, A Wolf in Autumn? Yeah. Uh, Which, years ago. Yeah, sorry to Wolf and Autumn fans. <laughs> there were time considerations to take into account. Mm -hmm. but yeah, I, I feel like probably the Music Machine could have gotten its own episode. But uh, yeah, I, I played all of the uh, three of them in one day. Oh yeah, in the first one, uh, Finger Bones, and uh, on a different day. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I did. I kind of wanted to talk about these in. Uh, chronological order with their release. Um, David Chemansky is probably most well-known at this point for being the developer behind the game Dusk, uh, which is like a Doom-style, uh, like, PC, old PC shooter game um, that got pretty popular because it's a good game. Um, but, but it is more... It is horror-themed, but it is more on the action area of the the thing of the the horror spectrum and i feel like we talk about we talk about horror games every year and i feel like a lot of them are action themed and i like the idea of doing all of his little walking simulator type games uh and that's kind of the genre that all of these are going to fall into they're a, they're different pieces of interaction in each of them but they all kind of they follow the same rules, essentially. Uh, the Music Machine and Iron Lung step outside of the bounds a little bit more, but uh, we'll get into that when we get to them. Did you did you have anything, like, collectively that you wanted to say up front before we, we go through each one? Um, not really, I don't think, um, without, like, getting too, like, immediately into stuff. Yeah, so let's go ahead and let's get into it. Uh, Figure Bones is the first game, uh, and it is both the shortest and, I would say, debatably the least polished of the four. Uh, it has, uh, it has a focus on what it wants to do. It's, like, the world's easiest escape room, but it is also... 
is so straightforward that it is more they, these all of these games are more about their narrative with the exception of Iron Lung, uh, which I'll be saying a lot. Uh, but this one is more, this one is a narrative essentially with like trinket game mechanics sprinkled into it. Yeah. In in my head, I'd say it's less that it's not as polished and more that it's just like a proof of concept more than it's trying to be an actual game. Yeah. That's a, probably a good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's basically, yeah, you're in like a look, like a bomb shelter or a cabin on top of a bomb shelter or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you just, like, uncover a little narrative, like an environmental storytelling notes scattered around, uh, pick up clues to punch in uh, code words into a... into a... a whatever you'd call it. Uh, yeah. Like security a, system. Yeah, a keypad. Keypad, yeah. Something along those lines. Should have... Could have key cards, Yes. Though. No key cards, though. Yeah. Just passcodes. Uh... Yeah, um, I remember when I played Fingerbones the first time, uh, which was my introduction to this dude and his games overall, uh, it was pretty much exactly what I wanted when I found it. Uh, I think what it was is I literally was like, can I play a horror game right now? For that's free. <laughs> for free that's going to take like less than half an hour. And this, like, came up. It was, like, a Google search I did. I'm sure I typed it in a dumb syntax, and this is what popped up. Uh, and it, it it rubbed me the right way. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, it knew just how you liked it. it. It did. It knew exactly what I wanted at the moment, and I came off of it really positively. I was like, this game rules for a 15-minute game. Uh, and then when I went to replay it for this... Um, so this is, I think it's my third time through. I don't remember if I played it through a second time. If I did, it would have been with somebody probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just shocked, I guess, at how little there was. To, I thought there was more to the game than there actually is, which is not necessarily a slight. Like you said, it feels like a proof of concept. But yeah, everything is like very vague all of the textures and this does kind of can this bleeds into the moon sliver as well uh are very like low res yeah the low res and also they don't seem to be the right textures for things Mm -hmm. like the wall and the power generator have the same texture to them they both look like granite it's hard to tell what the generator even is (laughs) at first um yeah, um, I think it makes really effective use, though, of, like, sound effects. And, like, I might be misremembering, but I feel like there's, like, a hazy, foggy effect in there a little bit, too. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, there's little details, I think. He kind of stretches a long way. And, uh, yeah, there is, like, a low-fi charm to it, almost. Like, a, like the low-resolution res- textures and, like, the low-poly models. Um, almost kind of give it like a, like a creepy pasta kind of feel, especially if it's like, it's just a thing you found for free online. It can almost kind of add to the creepiness a little bit. Yeah. No. Yeah. And it's, uh, that, that sound design is actually a good call out because this game is ostensibly a horror game. It's, it's main purpose is to be at least a little, like, chilling. But as far as, like, tension goes, I I think this works as sort of an O. Henry story where you 
you start off and you go, oh, like, what is going on? And, like, you read the notes and you're like, some guy left it. And then you go, oh, it's me. I'm the bad guy, uh, which is going to be a theme. But you <laughs> you go through the the rooms and the tension really only ramps up when you're given these audio cues. When you hear the crying when you go to the basement is the first time that you get, like, an actual scare in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it just it, it leaves the door open um, for things to be unexpected, mm-hmm. um, I, and I think that's how it, it manages to be like actually kind of creepy for like how brief and like low fidelity it is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, narratively speaking, oh, which first I guess before anything, uh. Most of these games are pretty narrative-focused, so if you're somebody who is listening to the podcast without having played the games, Bigger Bones is free. I think buying all four of these games will cost you less than $10. Uh, uh, I think they're all five bucks each, except for Finger Bones. Interesting. That might be true. Yeah. They're really cheap, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it could cost up to... It'll cost you, like, 15 bucks. 15 bucks. Uh, and so, yeah, like, as far as finger bones go, oh, we're about to spoil it. So, like, whatever. Maybe go play it and see if it's up your alley, and then you can move on to the other ones if it is. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, the the actual plot structure of, of it is pretty simple because you are just picking up these notes slaying around. And it's basically the story of a guy who builds, like a like you said, a bomb shelter, a survival bunker of some kind, uh, and has like a his obsession with it makes him have a falling out with his family, uh, and then an apocalyptic event of some sort probably does happen, or I guess could be in his head. I'm not actually a hundred percent, or it could be like a like a. 10 Cloverfield Lane thing. Yes. Where he's just making it up. 10 Cloverfield Lane. Keeping his, like, family hostage or whatever. Yeah, definitely stole their plot from this game. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it has these, like, little musings on, on morality, like, uh, are laws really necessary? Is what they say moral actually moral? Or is it all just in this our desire to procreate, et cetera, et cetera. Basically supervillain shit that they talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the titular finger bones are the finger bones of, I believe, his daughter. Yeah, it's my interpretation as well. Yeah. And that he just keeps in a wall safe uh, <laughs> that you go and find. Uh, and then you end up going down and just sitting alone and dying in the bunker mm-hmm. at the end. Yeah, I think the most uh, affecting line on me, or the one that stood out the most, is like he, you, you read like a little like journal entry or whatever note that he wrote, where he was like, oh, like he about how he's like bored now, mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, the excitement of those first few years, like how he like reveled in the fact that he was in mm-hmm. an apocalyptic event, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, and was able to use his bomb shelter. I think that kind of puts you in, like, his frame of mind in, like, a... I don't know if I want to say, like, a relatable way, but, like, I don't know. Something about that stood out to me. Yeah. I I, I agree. I think that there's a... There has to be, like, a, a point of connection between you and the, the main character for it to really land. So, uh, it is good that they, they kind of, like, 
it baits you into it by being by making you not sure if you are the guy or not. Uh, but you are the guy. <laughs> yeah, I don't really remember. I feel like I caught on to it pretty early, but mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure. I won't swear to that. Yeah, and I don't remember where I was the first time I played it, but obviously this time I knew from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and uh, and that's Fingerbends. Like, like we said, it's pretty short. It's uh, it's It feels like a proof of concept kind of thing. But it sets out a lot of the stuff that... David Chemansky proves to be pretty good at specifically narrative writing and that sound design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I liked uh, Fingerbones, but I'm actually surprised we got this much uh, conversation out of it. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> it is just that short. Yeah, well, I like to roll it into the stuff at the beginning. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Keep it uh, get as much as we can, but we should move on uh, because. We don't want this to go for seven hours. Uh-huh. Otherwise, I'll look like a fool. Uh, and The Moon Sliver is the second game uh, and is the second one in release order. Uh, so The Moon Sliver and The Music Machine are connected games in terms of their narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know this uh, because I hadn't actually played The Music Machine um, so it was interesting going back to the Moon Sliver with the expectation that I might learn something else about it, because this is the most cryptic of the games by a long shot. Yeah, like, I, you had expressed this to me, or I was in the room where you found this out, or whatever, um, <laughs> yeah, so I went into it, both of them knowing that they were connected, and I didn't really pick up on it. I know there were some names that were came up, like Roger was one of them. And a couple of others, but like I didn't, re- I couldn't tell you what the actual connection is right. between the two. Um, but yeah, the Moon Sliver I thought had the most appealing sounding name to me going in, and I, I like a lot of what it has going on. Um, I-, I think it had the best music of all of them. Um, I think like the music in the the little library building mm-hmm. uh, and down in the bunker was uh, was really good or stand out in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's a good call out I think because despite one of the games we're talking about being called the music machine, uh, music is used really sparingly in all of these games. Um, Fingerbones, if I'm remembering correctly, only has music at the end. Uh, and it doesn't really sound like much of anything. That, yeah. Like, it's not really a standout track or anything. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think I think this probably does have the best music in uh, of the four, though I wasn't keeping super close track. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it once again emphasizes that good sound design. I think uh, Moose Liver, to me, is the least creepy of the four. Mm-hmm. And where it excels in being creepy is when it starts to get, when the weather starts getting worse. You get that wind and you do feel very isolated on the island. And so it it has this like effect to it that makes you feel a little bit uneasy because of the way that like, oh, you can hear the wind blowing and then like when it gets darker and it feels more inclement and bad. Uh, and then in the tunnels, that just sort of, like, desolate emptiness uh, with that, that song that plays, I think is actually really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I do think 
part of what I really liked about both the Moon Sliver and the Music Machine is they kind of start out just feeling like walking simulators, mm-hmm. and you almost like kind of forget that they're gonna be horror games, <laughs> and then bam, they become like creepy at, towards the end. And I really liked that in both of them. Um, you get to just kind of like um, explore and like uh, just kind of unravel like what's happened in this place, and then it like shifts to like a like a creepier more dire tone and i think that really works yeah i would agree i think and especially here in in the moon sliver you're not given anything immediately to be like uh anxious about like there isn't anything immediately chasing you or whatever yeah i did find the weather kind of uh did that for me where like there's nothing in the game to reinforce this at all, but just the idea of like that kind of sandstorm that's happening made me want to like not spend too much time outside. Yeah, it's just like kind of like psychologically, I guess. Yeah, I can agree with that. And like the <laughs> the game itself doesn't give you a ton of like options as far as things to do when you are outside. So yeah i think that it kind of works together in that way uh the game doesn't want you to spend a bunch of time doing nothing it wants you to move the story along uh i think the game itself i think this may be the only game that actually tells you like set aside an hour to play it uh finger bones this and i believe also the music machine no the music machine does have saves Mm-hmm. But this and Fingerbones do not. So it does say to just like set time aside. So it would not behoof the game <laughs> for you to just be wandering around for an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I feel like this game is the one that most reminded me of other games I've played. Um, I, it immediately felt a bit like Dear Esther and a little bit like Amnesia to me. Yeah. Like, I think even Dear Esther doesn't it start the exact same way. Like, you wake up in a cabin, like, on a shore. Yep. And then, like, go explore other similar buildings nearby. <laughs> <laughs> and you get a flashlight or yeah. something. Yeah. I think Dear Esther starts in... It starts in what I always associated as being the building that you go to at the end of the damn mission in Goldeneye. Which I'm sure is a real kind of building uh-huh. that I just don't know. It's a concrete structure with big open windows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you go up a hill. And I think that there may be other structures. It's been a grip since I played that game. Yeah. Um, but yes, Dear Esther was also the first thing I thought about, which... Uh, I guess, fuck you, dear Esther, you spent all that time and money making your game look really good, and I think that this game, which does not have anywhere near the level of polish of visuals, reminds me of it, like, it puts me in the exact same mental state as dear Esther does. Mm -hmm. Just isolated, a little bit uneasy, it's a good vibe that it gets. Yeah. A good, bad vibe. Um, yeah, and, like, despite the game, or the, this one, the Moonsliver being, like, uh, the most cryptic, as you said, I still felt like I could basically piece together what had happened, um, to the point where I didn't feel like I was just, like, aimlessly exploring some houses. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think it, it hit a nice, like, like you said with Finger Bones, where, like, it did exactly what you wanted it to. I think this kind of hit a sweet spot for me for, like, a 
weird indie walking sim. Like, <laughs> I, I think I was able to, like, follow it just well enough and have just enough of it left up to, like, my imagination, which is, like, an area I wanted it to fall into. Yeah. Yeah, I had a note, actually, about this game and its storytelling and the fact that it felt like because it knew that it was going to be a short thing it has all these characters like i think they're like there are five named characters in this game Mm -hmm. um and you play as i think abel is his name uh he's the older guy Mm -hmm. um and you once again don't know this until the end um but you don't really you don't get to spend a ton of time with them but it is a character focused narrative yeah, you so, get to explore their houses yeah so you get like these little bits and pieces of them but for the most part they fall into like pretty broad categories of people that that you can kind of understand which i think makes it why the storytelling feels snappy and like understandable mm-hmm. uh is cuz they use sort of a broad characterization for the, for the characters for sure uh, do, do you want to actually talk about one of the more, of all the walking simulator games here, <laughs> one of the, the most mechanics uh, e element of any of them with the flashlight? Yeah. And having to recharge it. Uh, do you feel like it adds anything at all? No. <laughs> if I'm being very honest, no, I don't think that it really does. I will say that I the idea to me is that it was supposed to make the maze part of the game more tense mm-hmm. because it, the light could go out, you could be left in darkness, and then what do you do? Restart the game? Yeah, it does feel like it's specifically in there for the underground bunker area. Mm-hmm. So I it, it, it does kind of feel like they should have just given it to you, like it was just in the bunker when you walked in. Yeah. Um, but yeah... It does seem a little bit, uh, and there's so many charging stations too that it's never like a tr- hard to keep it uh, charged up. Yeah, I, I feel like this seems like a thing that kind of got, it probably got iterated out of the music machine, mm-hmm. where they tried it with fewer charging stations or like a shorter battery life, and they found it was too hard to keep the light lit and it wasn't fun to just be in the dark mm-hmm. but they had gone through the effort of making it and all the houses are dark now because they assume you're gonna have a flashlight right so they went ahead and just kept it in anyway yeah <laughs> just made it easier uh yeah i don't i don't love it i don't think it adds a ton i think it because the whole game is told in text like all the story is you don't have to like shine your light on a piece of paper to read it so what ends up happening is you go in you look around with the flashlight you click on a thing and then you turn the flashlight off to sit there and read text yep because like the text is white yeah. so it is actually harder to read it if you leave the flashlight on <laughs> you just turn it off and then like you look a little bit up to like a shadowy corner and then you mm-hmm. can just read the white text on the black background yeah it's <laughs> It's extremely strange. And I mean, that's another thing that, like, these are the growing pains. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that felt like a particular weakness of um, mo- like pretty much all of these games, except, I think, the music machine, mm-hmm. uh, is UI. Like, certain visual elements felt like a bit of a, a stumbling block. Yeah. 
Moonsliver is the worst about it because I think that it has it, its problem with the text taking up like a quadrant of the screen. Mm-hmm. Sometimes text will overlap. Uh-huh. It's like it's really bizarre and like I can see myself trying to fight through this problem like from a coding perspective, right? Like mm-hmm. you look at it and you go like uh, how do I fade this text or like get the text out of there after they do a thing? But like the system you've set up has it pop up when you do this, but then you've put too many objects that generate the text in the room, mm-hmm. and so you go fuck it and ship it, and that's <laughs> that's how we end up with <laughs> this weird thing. I don't think it detracted horribly. No, it's just kind of weird, especially given that the game is eight years old, that you kind of just like. You, you go, oh, it's an old game kind of thing. Like, yeah. this was back when games development was much harder for individuals to do. Yeah, it did seem like you could probably just have it so you could just click to make it go away. It'd be pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Who cares? Uh, I want to touch on this before we move on. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, there's actually a couple of things I still want to touch on. Uh, but one of them is a recurring theme where in every game you play the bad guy from somebody's perspective. In this case, it would be the bad guy as opposed to everyone else on the island. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you play as the character who takes the moon sliver and destroys it, throws it into the into the ocean. I don't know what he does with it. Uh, I think it says that he destroys it. Okay. Good. But I won't swear by that. <laughs> he gets rid of it. He gets rid of it, which allows this monster, the the forest fangs. I don't remember what it was called. <laughs> Me neither. It had a name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, to come in and kills everyone else, essentially. And then you. Mm-hmm. Except for... Isa, I think. Yeah, Isa. Shoots herself with a gun uh, before that can happen. And this is the part that actually does tie into the music machine, so we'll talk about it more there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is, it's Fingerbones play as the guy who kidnaps his daughter and, and I guess, removes her hand. Uh, this game, you're playing as the guy who sets the monster loose, though with the belief that this is actually freeing them from hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we'll get in on the further ones. I'll jump back. This is a recurring segment yes. on this probably 45 minute podcast. It will recur quickly. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I really liked the ending of this one. Yeah. Um, where you, you reach the end of the, uh, the tunnel and you turn around and there's like a dude there pretty spooky is a spooky not expecting it like it's it's i I feel like it's like even like a trope or like a something i've seen before i don't know exactly what to call it but like it's a game where there's no npcs and you grow accustomed to not seeing any people in it and then Mm. when you do run across a person it feels really impactful yep uh it has that kind of effect like you just don't expect there to be another uh character in the in the hall with you which makes it work really well yeah and i would hesitate to even call it like a jump scare like no. it's so calm and uh almost n- not expected as you just described you were expecting anything but that uh 
But it is like, you turn around and it's sort of like a moment of, uh, like, realization and dread, I think is what they're going for. Uh, and yeah, I agree. I think this ending is great. Does it does it say something in the text that, like, your character turns around and then you have to do it, like, as the player? Yeah. I think that makes it work even better, because mm-hmm. you actually have to turn around. Much like, once again, like, Amnesia... Where you have to open and close the doors and stuff. True, yeah. Yeah, Amnesia, open, close the doors. Uh, whatever the fuck we said, stole the plot. Oh, uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane stole the plot from Fingerbones. Uh-huh. And PT stole <laughs> the turnaround to uh-huh. get murdered because uh, Radio told you to turn around thing from this game. Mm-hmm. He's actually a trailblazer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it works really well. Uh, real quick before we move on, because mm-hmm. it's going to also recur in that game, in Music Machine as well. Um, Maze. Yes or no? What do you think about it? Yes or no? Don't answer that. That's not a good question. <laughs> do, how do you feel about the maze? Uh, I thought it was fine. Um, because like it, it contrasted, at least in my head... Like the more open beginning part, and mm-hmm. then you had a more like linear well, not linear because it's a maze, but like a more focused, like find the path kind of section. Yeah, I, I think it, it wasn't too long, so I thought it was fine. Sure, uh, I'm glad that you say that because it tempers my d- hatred of mazes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But I know that is a personal thing and has nothing to do with how good a maze works in design. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mentioned this actually on the on the Breath of the Wild podcast, another thing that took a, a element from one of his games, uh-huh. uh, obviously, uh, is I find mazes kind of pretty scary, like pretty scary just uh, as a concept, because mm-hmm. I feel like I'll get lost real easy. Um, and that works in a horror game, right? Like I, I go in, I'm like, uh-oh, a maze. My innate fear of mazes is going to come out mm-hmm. and make this more frightening. But I think that there, it felt like a very long part of a really short game. Mm. Like everything else was so piecemeal that the maze felt like weirdly out of place. Like it was there to pad length. I wasn't really. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree. It feels a little bit like padding. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, but I, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> I did not feel like it felt like a especially long part of the game. It's runtime. I just thought, like percentage-wise, mm-hmm. you know, that was my my one concern. Otherwise, I think the maze worked <laughs> fine, other than the aforementioned flashlight being kind of a non-issue. Uh huh. Um, there it is. That's the game. Let's talk about the next one. The music machine. Oh my god. Tw- uh, We're moving on to 2015. Yes. This was my favorite of the four. Mm. Um, and I, I think a big reason why I kind of touched on it um, is that the presentation is like a huge step up in this one. And I think of all four of them, it feels the most like a fully fleshed out game. Yeah. Um. The um, Iron Lung is more gamey, and mm. we'll talk about that uh, when we get to it. But, like, this one feels more in line with, like, other walking sims I've played. Like, it was more, like, kind of matches my expectations. Like, if someone was like, hey, try this uh, cool, like, uh, art, like visuals, you know, uh, interesting walking simulator game. Yes. 
And the, the visual, the very first line in my notes for this game is just the word aesthetic. Like, it's not that it's such a functional, great thing part of the game, but just it stands out so much in comparison to the other games that we're talking about. Um, it's, I don't know, it's kind of, it's weird, because at first I was like, does this really add anything, or was it just sort of a stylistic choice? But I actually do really like the way that, like, shadows are now just complete darkness. Mm-hmm. It has, like, a monochromatic uh, uh, art yeah, style. Yeah, it looks a little bit like Oberdin, mm-hmm. except it doesn't have, like, the little pixelated, uh, like, dithering. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it, 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 ha- it has, it adds, like, to, um... There's like a part of like one of the areas that you can warp to later in, from the church uh, is called like the void. Mm-hmm. You know, it has kind of like a almost like surreal. Uh, like there's the one the red area where like it's like the whole fake uh, satellite town and city and stuff. Where it, it there's a lot of like uncanny and dreamlike elements, mm-hmm. and I think the visuals like add to that. And like the color of the area can kind of like suggest. It add to the tone as well. Like the red area is the fake town, and it makes it feel more sinister. Uh huh. Etc. It's one with the big, weird moon in the sky. Yeah, and the initial and it's black. It's a black. So it's cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and the initial island is like orange. It's like a sunset. It's like nice and peaceful. You know, etc. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. That was gonna be like. Basically, the moment that you warp to a different zone, I was, like, immediately, like, this is worth it. Like, it looks really cool to go into the red fake city area uh, and just be just really assaulted by the visuals in a way that, like, none of his other games are even really capable of doing with the the style that they go for. Mm -hmm. It's... Uh, there a lot of the things that are good about Moonsliver and Fingerbones and Iron Lung are subtlety, and the Music Machine really just like just does not. It does subtlety in its storytelling, but it does not do subtlety visually, no. uh, and everything's really striking. And I do love that about this game. Yeah, it just it feels like it. There were more concrete ideas from the beginning that are being executed on and also like much like concrete, concrete. trees yeah. and shit <laughs> uh, yeah and like the other games feel a little bit more like experimental a little bit more of like a like starting from like a smaller kernel of an idea and this one felt like it was allowed to grow into a little bit more of a concrete tree yeah. uh, before it uh <laughs> before uh it started development yeah yeah so let's talk about how this does more as a more traditional game style game. Uh, Because, and mostly, like, we say this like you're going to pull out a gun. Oh, oops, spoilers. (laughs) Uh, But, like, mostly it is puzzle solving. Um, But the puzzles feel so much more fleshed out than what was done in, like, the in finger bones or the non puzzles that existed in, in the moon sliver. Yeah. And there's, I think there's also just more straightforward, like narrative, mm-hmm. like uh, you're playing uh, <laughs> the ghost of a man possessing a girl's body. Correct. Um, or you're playing as the body of a girl being possessed by a man. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I believe that the context of the game... You're playing as... Uh, as Quentin. Quentin, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he is possessing Haley. Yeah. 
But yeah, I think that gives it a little bit more structure because mm-hmm. like there's like scripted bits, you know, like there's a part where you go down into like the underground passageway and like there's specific story beats. So yeah, I think it, it has more of like a narrative structure and it does have like puzzles and stuff. So it gives yeah. it more of like a familiar uh, structure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that of the original three and if we include Wolf and Autumn, uh, in like the full collection, I think Music Machine is also my favorite of of them. Uh, there's something about it that just like clicks a lot more, and I think it is because we are very basic <laughs> uh, and just love a, a very straightforward plot with three acts game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess in, in defense of being basic. Uh-huh. Uh, we're people who can, I think, really appreciate, like, a weird, experimental, like, small indie game. Like, we kind of seek them out, yeah. which is why we do this podcast. <laughs> um, but it, I think it's just human nature to, like, kind of want something a little bit meatier that like you can sink your teeth into a bit more. And this is just that amongst uh, these four games. Yeah. It's the main course. Yeah. Well, I think we will talk about that because I, I made a specification yes. that you may have noted uh-huh. uh, when I was talking about it. But I agree with you for the most part, though. I think that Music Machine kicks some ass for sure. <laughs> I think <laughs> uh, the, the fact that you are playing as essentially two characters makes the delivery of the narrative a lot more dynamic mm-hmm. uh you get to actually have a conversation and the flavor text of interacting with stuff has more like actual information because it's somebody who can see and interact and somebody who can feel and smell and taste and do all the things that a human body can do mm-hmm. uh so you get this like you actually get valuable information from the back and forth between the two of them. And I really like that dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's clever. It's a good way to get, uh, yeah, more information. Like even from just like, you're exploring like a random house, you know, like any little thing you find leads to like learning something about one of the two of them. Usually. Mm -hmm. Can we talk momentarily about the fact that, Quentin's sole, pun intended, purpose in life, in death... In unlife. In unlife, is to kill his host. Yeah, so I guess we should talk about the setup, because it is creepy and weird. It is weird. Uh, And creepy in kind of a bad way. Yes. (laughs) Creepy in not a scary way, but in a creepy, creepy way. Yes. Um, So... Quentin and Haley had some kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. Quentin's a 34-year-old man. 30s, yeah. I don't yeah, remember and exactly. Haley is 12. 13. Th- she well, will yes, correct She you. will correct you. I think <laughs> that is that she's turned 13 since he died. I believe that's true. But anyway. Yeah. Um, and I, Quentin was not reciprocating her feelings. Like She was like into him mm-hmm. or whatever, had feelings for him. And he rejected her. And she did not take that well, told her dad, and accused Quentin of molesting her or whatever, something to that nature. Yeah. Uh, and then her dad killed him. And so now... <laughs> According to the description given by Quentin, shot him 12 times in the chest. Well, there you go. Which is a lot that'll, of times to shoot a person. I'll do it. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So, I guess by some twist of fate, he's now... <laughs> possessing her body 
and mm-hmm. trying to trying to kill her. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. That's that's the story. <laughs> Of a not so lovely lady. Yes. Um, she was not bringing up three very lovely girls. <laughs> uh, it was, yeah. I, I don't know. I both really like the setup and also wish that there was some other way they could have, like, set it up. Because it, it makes, like, if I describe that to a sane person, I think that they would be off put. And I think they would be right to be that way. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I, it's not something I can really speak to, mm-hmm. but like it is one of those weird subjects, like dating with huge age gaps. Yeah, and or like you know, and this isn't they aren't even dating. It's just like a weird entanglement. Right. Um. But like, it's always a weird subject. I think. Um. But I do think like people should talk about those things because they do happen. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know something about it. Just. I don't know. It's one of those issues that makes me always feel, like, uncomfortable. Yeah. And it is because, like, it's the kind of thing that does not get talked about. Like, what is the what is the proper protocol if you are Quentin in life? Uh, well, first of all, your protocol probably should have started not having a close relationship with a 12-year-old. Sure, we don't really get the context of what their relationship, how it started or what it was. Yeah, just that they did know each other. Yeah. Yeah, that's the part that is, like... It's it's hazy. Like, was he her softball coach? Right. Like, it could totally be... It's the thing that allows the game to sort of, like, skate by without... Because there's it's gray. There's no, like, real definition of what happened. Um, <laughs> but it does provide a very compelling, haunting reason. Like, the fact that he is uh, ha- has taken over her body in a weird, haunting way is feels more like oh like i see why he is a vengeful spirit because she did get him killed in a pretty bad way uh ruined his reputation and etc etc um but you also see as the game moves on that he does actually feel like a warmness toward Haley. Mm-hmm. um which once again cast the fucking the blame back toward quentin like maybe mm-hmm. this is how he was in life as well i don't know I don't know either, it, because it's never concretely my, my, said. Maybe I'm just trying to like make it less creepy in my head. Yeah. But like, I kind of <laughs> never really believed that he really wanted to kill her, mm-hmm. and I also feel like just because he was like fond of her doesn't mean like he was like in love with her or attracted to her. Yeah, sure, absolutely. So, but we don't know. <laughs> that's true. Like, it is totally possible that. Uh, there was inappropriate things going on on yeah. Quentin's end. That's what I don't want to know. Yeah. But if the, it was available in the <laughs> game, I didn't come across it. Uh, Same. But anyway, that's that's the setup and also part of the ending of the game. Yeah. Uh, let's rewind. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking about the nice orange comfortable island. Um, one of the things that this game does really well, I think, is set up a sense of mystery. Uh, the fact that the big church, which is not the first structure you come across, but it will be, like, pretty early on, Mm -hmm. uh, doesn't have any doors or windows, is an eerie thing that hit me the right way, much like Fingerbones did all those years ago. Yeah. To be like... This is a big concrete church with no doors or windows. Just 
like the impression of doors and windows uh, is a creepy object to come across. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it did get me amped up to go exploring and figure out what the fuck was going on. Yeah, I agree. All right, moving on. (laughs) I don't know if I can add anything to that. (laughs) No, Um, that's a good point. But no, it is is an interesting moment because, yeah, you will uh, probably go into a couple of cabins or houses first, Mm -hmm. and they are just regular cabins and houses, and then the church is fake. Yes. So it, it stands out, yeah. It's like a little carrot on the stick or whatever. It also had this, like, whenever you walked into one of the structures, it would play this, like, tone, like Mm -hmm. a music note. And boy, did I think there was something that was important about that. (laughs) And maybe there is, but I didn't ever find anything Mm -hmm. uh, from just walking into houses and hearing the sound and being like, maybe if I do it in this order or like whatever mm-hmm. uh but you pretty quickly do find the the entrance which is an under a combination underground bunker and maze really bringing it together uh from the previous two games mm-hmm. uh, this one i liked more yeah i i wouldn't i don't think it really qualifies as a maze <laughs> so much as it's just like a couple of hallways yeah but like i got lost <laughs> Uh, I guess fair enough. Uh, it did take me a little while to notice the light switches on the walls. Yeah. Because they blend in with the bricks. They sure do. It will be, and that's one of the weaknesses of the color palette decision is like, there really wasn't much that could have made them stand out. Yeah. They could have, I guess, made them actually stand out from the wall in terms of physical location. Oh, yeah, like an actual switch. Yeah, but it is just sort of a texture like a button that's Mm -hmm. there um and we see a button later in the game that does stick out from the wall and it looks pretty damn 90s yeah (laughs) so maybe that's what they were going for was to avoid uh that look in the early part of the game uh but yeah you get into the church basically and there's this big thing uh that we later discover is not apparently the music machine, unless the music machine warp point takes you inside of it. I don't actually know. Uh, I like that interpretation. Okay. And will now be my head cannon. All right. So you find the music machine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is like a pipe organ that has five buttons on it. Yeah. Uh, like a weird facsimile of a pipe organ. <laughs> yes. A horrible facsimile. Yeah. Uh, and you can use it with in combination with these notes that you find, two of them in total, as far as I know, mm-hmm. um, to punch in essentially a code in binary and warp to some other place. And the different places are pretty clearly not the earthly realm. Mm-hmm. They're like constructed realities. Uh, and you get a little bit of lore on that later from The Voice. Uh, but I thought this mechanic was actually just super cool and good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the same. Because uh, you go into the church, or at least this was my experience, and like you read all the notes, and I I did not realize you had to read the one through the inventory right away. Yeah. So like I'm like, kind of like looking around, and I'm like, ah, oh, there's really nothing else here. And then like I'm looking at my stuff, and I'm like, oh, okay, here's this note. And then I see, like, the code, and then it takes me a second to realize, like, it's binary. Like, 
it's it, it hits that sweet spot i think where like it takes you just long enough to realize what it is but then you it's not too hard to like figure out so you get to, you just have like this you get a nice little epiphany moment of like oh yeah i'm super smart i know how to fucking work the music machine <laughs> I, I i minored in music machine in college <laughs> no i agree with that i think it's the kind of thing that is like not so difficult as to like block your progress for too long Mm -hmm. but it is just enough to like satisfy you yeah when you do finally get to like fucking slap your big ape hands on the buttons and Mm -hmm. turn the knob and see that a result occurred yeah and it's like the first thing you try like that's always satisfying like when you just figure a puzzle out Mm -hmm. and it just works yeah it was good shit fuck yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, so the first place you warp to is the I can't remember what it's called. I don't remember this one. The red yeah. zone, the fake city. <laughs> the fake city, the red zone. Yes, the high hi- the zone. highway to the danger zone. <laughs> That's the one. Yes. Uh, so this one, uh, did you ever find out like if there was anything with those like transparent orbs outside of like the tunnel thing sure didn't no that really bothered me yeah there was like there's a gem of some kind that yeah. like glows and sparkles i tried throwing that at them i did too yeah that first we locked on to the same <laughs> shit we were like it's that just... looks different those are weird let's mash them together yeah but i, I got <laughs> i spent like way too much time in this area mm-hmm. because i did not notice the building where the exit thing is. Yeah. Like, I thought it was just, like, a shape. This is anecdotal evidence, because uh-huh. it's, there are two of us. Hello, I'm Chad Ryman. he's Andy Koenig. Yes. Um, but I did exactly the same thing. Huh. I missed that one completely, and I, it makes me think that it's designed that way. Because you get really caught up on the farm part. Yeah. Because you go there and there's all the hooks. Mm, the buildings on the other side where you find the other paper. Yeah. And you're like, oh, wow, look at all this stuff. And then you go, see you later. <laughs> and you run away. Because there's only one exit and entrance from that. And it's mm-hmm. like not really within the eye line of the thing. You What you actually have to do is essentially just like go toward the big black moon. Yeah. Uh so I yeah I think that's I think it is intentional I think they want you to be kind of lost and confused yeah and like it's at a point in the game where you don't know um, like what your goal is like mm-hmm. it, once you get through this part like you can pretty safely assume like each area is like make it through like be observant but you're just kind of looking for like the exit thing yeah uh, but you don't know that when you get to the red zone. <laughs> Uh, okay, I'm gonna make my second rascal episode reference of uh-huh. the episode. Oh, you have your acceleration. You go, yeah. You have acceleration, mm-hmm. like a human doesn't really, not noticeably. Uh, I think experts are in consensus that he might. Be he a might car. be a car. <laughs> you get on the road. There's a road, and if you just <laughs> hold sprint and run down the road. And then you just look at the screen. You're like, I'm a car. I'm in a car's lane moving at about the speed of a car. There's something weird about the scale of everything Mm -hmm. that makes it feel really naturally car-like. 
and it baffles me. <laughs> yeah, it might be the size of the area makes mm. it stand out more. I think you only move that fast there. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't really either, but I did get the it's idea. It's probably that. true. Yeah. That's all I gotta say. Because there's just so much more ground to cover. <laughs> uh, uh, but then you move on to Acid Rain Forest. Yes, the Thorn Forest. Yeah. Uh, I like the Thorn Forest. Uh, this not is a, Yeah, there's not a lot there, though. No, it's really... Yeah. It is where you find the connection to the Moon Sliver. Right. Or at least the first one. There may be more that I'm just forgetting. Uh, because you find this note... That was written by this guy. And <laughs> it refers like the to... the readings of Roger... Hector. Hector. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's and... Hector and... There, there's Roger is another name. Yeah. But, yeah. The, Roger is either that guy uh-huh. or the guy who writes the heretic pages. I think that's probably it. Or both. They may be the same guy. Mm. I don't remember. Uh, which is important to the interpretation, I guess. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't have that infer. Infer. Yeah, I don't have that infer. Uh, but yeah, it's, I like the area because it, it has more of a, first of all, you can die here if oh, you stand out in the rain. Yeah. If you stand out for long enough, it does actually kill you. And then I think you just have to restart the game. I don't know if it lets you load a save. <laughs> Mm. Uh, which is interesting, but, uh, it gives like, it makes, cause Haley has this like very, uh, coy personality. Like, She's trying to play it cool. Yeah. Like there's a part at the beginning, um, where you can find like some cigarette butts and mm-hmm. she's like trying to like ask if she can smoke them or whatever. She's trying to like look mature Yeah. for Quentin. Uh, and it's, th- this kind of, like, gives you a reminder that she is, like, a human person. Mm-hmm. And it makes Quentin feel a lot worse as well. Yeah. Because he is pretty callous about it. He's just like, whatever, we're going to go out in the stinging bad rain uh, for however long it takes. Uh, but yeah, there's not much here. As far as I know, there's nothing here <laughs> that you need to progress at all. No, it's just story stuff, I think. Yeah. Uh... And the same goes for... The Void. The Void, which is our last uh, one before the the music machine itself. Yeah. Um, I didn't love the Void part, if I'm being real. I mean, it just isn't anything. It's just a cutscene, really. <laughs> it's a cutscene, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know, I was like kind of alright. Uh, you talk to a chair. You do. Uh... Did you interpret it as the voice coming from the chair? I did, yeah. Okay. I thought it was coming from the big celestial orb. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's a, also a valid thought, but like... Who knows, really? You walk in, and it, 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 it felt like a joke, so maybe the joke is that it looks like it's the chair, but it isn't. Mm. Or maybe it is just like, does this form please you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, sort of a thing. What is That a it chair, took the form really? of a chair. Uh... But I, I just, as soon as, like, I saw that, I was just like, oh, yep, the voice is the chair. It's a very, like, uh, it's a very uh, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy kind of thing. Yeah. For the chair to be the voice of God. Um, 
I just looked at the timer and had a panic attack. Yeah. So let's move on. <laughs> I told you this can. game could have had its own episode. It could have. It's this is a very meaty one. Yeah. Um, you go through the music machine, and basically the music machine is a puzzle zone that when you solve it, sends you back through all of the other worlds, and then when you come back to the music machine, it's like you've been. Uh, found by these spindle men the spindle men uh which is great because they're essentially like little gods who can create matter and stuff at will Mm -hmm. uh and it's a really interesting villain to just throw in at the end of the game yeah it's a really great segment when you get dropped into the yellow area where they all are yeah uh and you just have to like walk past them (laughs) they're very like slender man adjacent they really are yeah um but yeah that's i just i like them i Mm -hmm. like that concept i like that they made the music machine but haven't really like quite quite gotten language or like the english language at least yeah it's like there's like an element of like uh like childishness or like naivete naivete uh-huh. uh, to them. Which They're is great. interesting, yeah. And then you shoot them with a gun. Yeah, part of me wondered if you were going to have the choice to either kill Haley or the Spindleman. <laughs> yeah. But, but as, as far, far as, as I like, could... Yeah. As far as we could tell... Uh... On the No Clip podcast, uh-huh. uh, on No Clip Pocket, uh, as far as we could tell, you can't do that. No, yeah, you just maybe shoot you em. can. I don't know. Yeah, you don't just shoot them. Uh, <laughs> except you do. You do just shoot them, yeah. as it turns out. Uh, and then you get to take Haley to Elysium. Yes, and Elysium <laughs> is uh, has more than one color. Yes. Uh, Oh, yeah, and Haley gets to drive her own body for a while. Yeah. Which is a car. <laughs> sometimes. 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 Um, fuck. Okay. There's more to this game, but I think we're just going to move on. Yeah, we're going to have to move on. Yeah. If you want us to return to the music machine, we won't. It's There's no <laughs> way in fuck that we're going to get any more content out of it now. But it was a good time. It was a good time. I liked it. Uh, Iron Lung. Boom. We're back. 2022. Long, baby. <laughs> uh, the games, there were games released in between Music Machine and this, uh, but this was the game that I actually wanted to do originally. Uh, when it came out, it's what made me let go. <gasps> now we can do that thing. Now is an excuse. Yeah, because I knew that Iron Lung was also su- supposed to be extremely short. And it is. It's only about, it took me like an hour and 20 minutes, I think, to, to beat. And that's with dying once. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's a it's a pretty brisk time, but it sure doesn't feel that way. And I wanted to say mm-hmm. that I feel like we're going to have different feelings on Iron Lung. I this is like game of the year for me. It's not quite there i'll have to do some deep thinking on it uh-huh. i think that iron lung is one of the best horror games that i've played in like a long time wow and it is and <laughs> i i say it knowing more than any other game that i've ever liked 
that this is just not gonna be for some people. Uh huh. I'm surprised it's for you. <laughs> I know because I loved pretty much everything about it except the core gameplay, uh-huh. uh, which I found to be incredibly tedious. Like, like it's 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 interesting, mm-hmm. but I felt like it wore out its welcome by like the halfway mark pretty thoroughly. Yeah, I think there's something about it. The reason that I like it, uh huh. The the core gameplay is because it's... Do you remember the best part of uh, Edith Finch with the fish chopping? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you're doing two things at once? The concept behind that is that the fish chopping job was so mundane and boring that it faded into the background of his life. Mm-hmm. And I was getting that vibe with the navigation. Because I was just checking numbers, looking at the map, navigating toward it. And it made me focus a lot more on the other stuff. Specifically mm. the absolutely devastatingly good sound design in this game. And it is... To me, like, this is, like, one of the scariest games that I've played in a long time, mostly because of that, and it does it with, like, no visuals at all. Like, there's a couple of moments of actual, like, visual things occurring, but for the most part, you're looking at dials, Mm -hmm. Uh, and I just really, I don't know, I I hated it when I started playing, Uh and then I got a hang of it, and I just immediately was lost in it. I thought it was great. Uh, yeah, I agree. Like, the sound design is great. Um, I think that's, am- like, those kind of ambient sound effects are, like, a shortcut to victory. Um, I-, I noted this when we played 999, which takes place on, like, a luxury cruise ship. Like, mm-hmm. the- it has the constant creaking of the boat. Um, and, like, other games that, like, take place in, like, winter have, like, the rushing wind sound. Like, mm-hmm. that always creates, like such an easy way to create like a really thick affecting atmosphere and like this always has like the creaking of the sub and like the sound of the blood yeah. water um <laughs> rushing past and stuff and there's all like the little creaks and the uh the great moment where the fire starts behind you and you had to notice it yeah um and put it out that uh, is triply great if you are just, like, dead lost in, in doing the navigation, right. too. But, like, I found that, like, I had the opposite effect, though, where, like, the it took so much of my concentration to navigate that I didn't notice a lot of the other stuff most of the time. Yeah. I, th- I think that is sort of... I had a moment that I thought was... Like, it was, like, my my watershed moment with this game, where I turned the corner on it. Uh, that's not true. It came way later than I was already loving it. Uh-huh. Uh, but I had a moment that I think emphasizes what it was that I was enjoying about it. Because it, when you, you, there's a point in the game that you get to where you have to figure out how to navigate without using the map for, like, a fucking second, where you have to figure out where you can move north to like cross this gulf and the way that i did it was by going to different places and taking pictures and looking at the things so i had gotten this habit down of like i would go until i saw like a obstacle thing that came up and i would hit the picture button and get that to print out and i <laughs> i got to that point and was in the northern part of the map 
And I remember seeing there's just like an obstruction, and I was like, I know this map at this point by the back of my fucking, like the back of my hand. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I'll go hit the button. What is it? And there's just a, an eyeball. And I was like, oh, fuck, shit. Damn. That was great. Mm-hmm. The game builds tension really insanely well. And it releases it at the most unexpected times. And th- it also just bombards you with shit that you can't possibly understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't disagree. Uh, like, like I said, like, I love everything about it, except <laughs> the actual thing you're doing most of the time. Like, all the other details, I think, are fantastic. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like one of those, like really inspired indie concepts like you said like i think that's like the pull quote on like the back of the box it's like creates like super uh effective horror with no visuals uh-huh. you know like and it's true yeah it's it's actually because I, I was playing at this point i've played most half maybe i don't know of uh the next game that we're talking about on the main podcast the evil within two and it was interesting to look back because it's a game that's very visual focused. And then these games are, it's like visuals not prioritized, visuals as a standout part of the music machine. And then Iron Lung feels like it's specifically about not having uh, yeah. like a visual It's about like, what you style. don't see. It is about what you don't see. It's about what you hear mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in this one. And I don't know. I just like, I liked it. I thought it was a fun <laughs> game. <laughs> oh, okay. So I have two other things in... I'm not even going to talk that much about uh-huh. Iron Lung because I just, I want people to go play it and yeah. let me know what they think. Um, and so if you haven't played it yet, skip this next part. Uh... The end of the game is a is a very silly jump scare. Mm. What do you think? I, I it worked for me personally. Yeah. Um, I think because like I don't know. I kind of feel like I called the game's bluff a little bit, where it seemed like the oxygen would go down at scripted points. Yeah. Um. So I kind of figured something would happen as I approached the last. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the last uh, point of interest, uh, but like it still worked. I didn't think that the like the eel or whatever it is was gonna like burst into the submarine, but uh, I don't know. I, I thought it it just felt appropriate to me. Yeah, as like an ending. It it gave me the the feeling of like going to a haunted corn maze. Uh-huh. We're back on mazes yeah. somehow. It made me think of the Mario sixty four eel. It did. Yes. <laughs> But uh, it gave me that feeling because, like, it got me. Like, it did get me with the scare. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. well, you know. And so you get the little jump, and then it's funny. You laugh about it. It was like a game where I was so... And, like, the fact that it cuts to credits. Like, at that point, you know that the stakes are now gone. Yeah. It it gave me a jump after a big long string this is like a point in the game where the blood is now leaking into the ship that was my favorite detail oh it's so good yeah like how (laughs) it's like ankle deep before you even notice it's there Uh uh-huh and then eventually it's like all the way up to the control panel and you're like oh geez i'm like wading through blood now um yeah no i loved it i thought it was really good 
I thought it was really silly, but in a way that felt appropriate at the end of this game. Um, and the one thing, the other thing that I wanted to mention is just, uh, there's a computer terminal and fuck if anybody could tell me, uh, that I am stupid for not figuring out what to do with it. Uh, I didn't figure it out either, so... Yeah, I ended up Googling it and just being like, Computer Terminal, why? <laughs> uh, and apparently, the, if you type in B-O-I, which mm-hmm. is what the Computer Terminal, I thought, was called, but is not true, I guess. It's the Brotherhood of Iron. Okay. I'm not going to get into it. I wish it was easier to access this stuff because it contains basically all of the world information. Mm. I would argue that it's not that important to the game. Uh, And obviously it isn't because you don't have to do any of it to actually play the game to the conclusion. Uh, But it would be neat if anybody knew anything about the game. (laughs) They throw throw in uh, the great or the quiet rapture. Mm-hmm. in the opening crawl and blood oceans and then they just expect you to go like okay i i kind of like <laughs> that you don't get any like backstory i like that it's just like a mysterious setup like you're mm-hmm. sent you're like a fugitive or whatever who's sent to like a, a moon that has like a blood ocean to like explore it in this super dangerous suicide squad type scenario <laughs> uh that's all i really need like that's pretty metal yeah no i agree with that i just wish that the computer either wasn't there yeah or was easier to get into because it's like there's not even that much information on it it's like i think there's like four keywords that you can Mm. figure out but like uh it's just i don't know it's a weird piece of thing in the game that doesn't feel like it's really doing much yeah. And I thought it was odd and wanted to comment on it. Do we have finger bone thoughts? My finger bone thoughts. Um, I, I feel like you've probably mentioned this guy's name to me before. I know we played a wolf in autumn, mm-hmm. but like this was all new stuff to me. I'd never looked into this developer or any of his games. Um, and I, I have to say I liked them. Like, you know, I didn't dislike any of them. Um, And, uh, yeah, like, I I feel like I I appreciate, as I said, like, earlier, like, I appreciate, like, a weird experimental small game. Like, there's this game that we talked about a long time ago on Pocket called Only If. Yes. It's, like, a very experimental, weird indie game, and we both like it a lot. Um, And this is kind of scratching a similar itch, but it's got like more focus to it um, than those that that game did. Um, So yeah, it's, it just felt like it had been such a long time since we played anything like this. Yeah. Uh, Especially with like the moon sliver. I remember playing that and being like, this feels like Chad and Andy uh, circa 2015 or whatever, (laughs) like a game we would have played. Um, So yeah, there was like a, it was fun to, to go back to these or to visit these games for the first time and you know like appreciate those like uh something like Fatum Bachela also comes to mind yeah like weird like lo-fi ps1 and 64 kind of aesthetic uh is appealing to me um but yeah then the standout for me is the music machine i think like the step up in presentation 
um, is like appreciated just because you know I like cool aesthetics, but it also like almost makes me feel like proud of him or something. <laughs> or it's just like oh, like look at that, like uh, he isn't just like kind of tinkering away at experimental little things. Like he actually made something like a little bit bigger and uh, more ambitious, and it pulled and pulled it off. Yeah, and I liked it a lot. Um, and yeah, and so I guess. My big picture, I guess, would be kind of what we were talking about there at the end uh, with Iron Lung is like all four of these games have scary moments Mm -hmm. and they look like PlayStation 1 games. You know, like I think it goes to show just how important like atmosphere is, how important sound design is. And like uh, and I said it as a joke, but yeah, like the things you don't see. Yeah. Um, the stuff that's implied are all really important. And I think like big budget games do that too. I think it's the visuals, like as we were as we were kinda highlighting. Uh I think games can get caught up in like looking too pretty or like, you know, being too concerned with how certain things look and don't hide enough stuff from you or don't like uh lose sight of the presentation, I guess. Um, and I think these games kind of prove that, like, you don't have to have something super realistic or polished-looking to be scary. Um, and so that stood out the most to me, I think, on a big-picture level. But, uh, yeah, this was a fun experience. I was. I, it's nice that they were all so short that I could play most of them in one sitting. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and enjoyed my time with them. Yeah. I think honestly, building sort of off of what you laid down there in the in in your thoughts, like this is the perfect collection of games to hit that spot of like I want something that I can play in a single sitting on a night that I just want something that's a little scary. Uh, <laughs> it is. A feeling that I often have, but maybe is not as universal. I do too, but definitely less often. Yeah, it's like sometimes you just want to have like a like a like a one beer game, a game that you can play while drinking a beer. Uh, <laughs> you turn the lights off, you put headphones on, or you play it with somebody else. Who gives a fuck? Uh, just you sit and you absorb it, and because it is so short. It, I think it lends itself to being focused on and it really lets you, it, it lets these games actually take you into them and like tell their story uh, in a way that is kind of unique to short games. Uh, that is why I like this developer and why I like games like this. It is an easy to digest format and it's something that I just like to, to do on occasion. So I, I like that we were able to jam a bunch of these together into a single episode, um, and I'm really happy to go back and and play them, and I'm extremely happy to play the ones that I have not played yet, uh, because both Music Machine and Iron Lung really blew me away in in ways that IGN.com I wasn't expecting. Uh, (laughs) uh, So, yeah. And as a side note, uh, I do want to mention just a lot of horror games these days uh and this is a tired complaint that old men make mm-hmm. uh aren't scary <laughs> well one aren't scary and also two fall way further into the action genre than a lot of uh like survival horror of the past does and i love 
just from a rebellious perspective, how deeply unstreamable these games are. Mm. No one would want to watch somebody play Iron God, Lung. like the Moon Sliver would be the most boring to watch. <laughs> well, I don't know. Fucking Iron Lung, all you do is look at a map. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it's both. I, I was thinking of the Walking Sims. Yeah, but they're all still kind of. It's in that same vein. Yeah, like it's a really difficult thing to just sit there and like stare yeah. at and, yeah. and not Finger, be the one participating. Finger bones is like, all right, gonna start the stream. All right, the stream's over. <laughs> Good job, guys. Uh, so yeah, that's I don't know. Those are my thoughts. I fucking really like this guy, and we'll continue. Uh, to play whatever he makes, pretty much, uh, until he does something wrong. <laughs> uh, just kidding, I love you. Uh, proud of you. Uh, proud of you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the longest no-clip pocket ever this no week. No-clip advance. <laughs> yeah, we're getting there. What are we talking about next time? Next time, uh, we're continuing Halloween, and are going to be talking about... Again, much more focused on its visuals. Bendy and the Ink Machine. A long time coming. It really is. I think this got booted off the list like three years in a row now. Oh yeah, it's it's it was approaching <laughs> Costume Quest territory yep. of Halloween games we'll never do. Uh, but here it is. We're gonna do it this time. Yeah, and I feel like I've looked this up multiple times, but I feel like it's also kind of like an adventure, walkie simulator, puzzly thing. Um, but yeah, it takes, it's like a, like a haunted cartoon studio. Like you got like a, like a Mickey Mouse style, like thirties mascot character. That's like haunting you or whatever, something like that. (laughs) This is the one game I think of this collection that Mm -hmm. I, one, have not played at all. And two, was more your suggestion than Yeah, mine. I just yeah. remember seeing like a trailer for it or whatever and just thinking it looked really cool and obviously have avoided specific information about it because I knew I wanted to play it. Yeah, so now we actually do get to play it, so yeah. check it out then. Uh, until next spooky time, uh, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our terrifying website, noclippodcast.com. Uh, there you can find links to our Twitter account, our email address, the uh, YouTube where we post all of our episodes, including a big long Halloween playlist uh, that will grow many stronger this year yes like a hydra (laughs) if you watch one episode three more will spring up in its place at least once a year so uh yeah so check that out uh for everything else uh scary spook that like spook that like button uh the Take the subscribe button and throw it into the sea. Shoot the spindle man in the comment <laughs> section. <laughs> Goodbye. Szymański. Fuck you. <laughs> Where are any of those syllables coming from?